0: eyes peeled everyone it's time for the full 10 yards college football podcast
1: hello and welcome to the full 10 yards college football podcast back after another shortened week with all the postponements and cancellations but we're back we've got plenty of games to talk about and a little bit of drama as well on both ends of the podcast today I'm going to be starting with a little bit of a dispute that's been uh, that's been going on, and then uh, we'll be talking about some AP polls. Because obviously, the coaches' poll is going to start up uh, very, very soon. We are obviously recording on a Monday, so we won't see the coaches' poll till a little bit later in the week. But we will be kind of talking about that as um, as we get going through the podcast and get our um, get our thoughts on it and what we what we kind of heard and what we may think will happen. Which we might get disproven, but you know, we never know. Just been uh, joined by by Rob, late late arrival. Um, we just got started, so you've not actually missed too much.
2: Hello boys, how are you? All
1: right. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Uh like I say, not missed too much, just 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 literally done the introduction. So not, good. not at all. Um all right then. Let's um, yeah, let's go straight into that actually, because it's really interesting debate, especially with an FSU fan amongst us. But obviously, if you've not heard this, um obviously Florida no. Yeah, Florida State's game and Clemson um got called off at the last moment, basically really late in the day. And um Despite it being Clemson's player that was infected with COVID, Dabo Sweeney has turned around and just said it was FSU's fault and putting the blame completely on them. As you can tell by the, the tone of my voice as I bring this in, I don't kind of believe that I'm saying this or the way it's going. Andy, you're, you're obviously the FSU fan amongst us. You'll probably have the finger to the pulse much more than we do on this, but what the hell's going on? What's he on about?
0: Just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it, really? I mean, um, apparently, their guy was practicing for several days with like full symptoms of COVID and then miraculously tested positive for COVID. Uh, so, getting up on like and, and full pads practice, so in people's face and, and everything like that. So, I mean, yeah, it must have been a, like there's going to be a few more cases there, isn't there, before, um, before too much longer. And yeah. then they've turned up on game day, like declared that to the FSU medical staff, and uh, and the FSU medical staff having none of it, and 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 then they couldn't negotiate. Like I think they wanted to negotiate some of the, the different players to swap out or something like that, and that, that obviously didn't happen at all. So uh, yeah, then, then game off, and and just utterly bizarre comments from uh, from Dabo. And then I actually saw Trevor Lawrence uh, tweet saying we were ready to play. And then somebody kind of comment came back and said, "Well, it's bigger than uh, you know, bigger issues than that at the moment." And he said, "Yeah, this wasn't to do with COVID, though." So it's obviously like a full-blown like (laughs) conspiracy theory within the Clemson ranks there. But uh, yeah, utterly bizarre from from my point of view. I mean, if you just look at the kind of latest FSU news from this week, it's that the kind of athletic departments hemorrhaging money uh, all over the place. So the last thing they want to do is refund like 15 odd thousand tickets and, and kind of sort out a rearrangement on all of that sort of stuff and lose the tv deal uh, for the game so just like <laughs> just talk absolute rubbish to be honest it just feels like just completely wide of the mark and and not really you know in tune with the kind of spirit of the game and stuff at the moment so yeah i don't know what the, the other guys think but but bizarre in, in my books
1: yeah um obviously Kieran, we'll save you to last because I know we've got you've got some opinions on this guy. <laughs> um, so, Liam, what what did you make of this? We will kind of bring you on this one next, and what what, what do you kind of make of all this situation? It's, it is like utterly bizarre, like what Andy said, really, isn't it?
3: It is, yeah. It sounds like uh, the the Clemson program have just got the, the blinkers on in terms of playing football without the kind of the the wider picture. There's obviously a a lot of reasons uh, for Clemson to want to carry on playing and carry on winning after losing to the fighting Irish. And um, he seems to just be taking the, um, the stance that it was Florida State calling off. It was in their interest not, not to play. I, I disagree. I think that Florida State would have been well up for uh, the challenge of, of Clemson. There'd nothing to lose in terms of the game itself um, and everything to, to gain in terms of a big win over um, a massive uh, team in the ACC um yeah i think that clemson were wrong to come out and say what they said um just seems like um just a bit of sour grapes really over the chance to get another win on their record within the conference you can mm-hmm. understand it but as as andy said it's it's the bigger picture that needs to be looked at here
1: yeah it is and especially when the guy's been you know practicing for days on end it, it just you know it they could have helped themselves by holding that guy out of practice or, you know, not even traveling, you know, and just saying, look, we're, we're going to stay. We're going to delay it until, I don't know, Monday or something like that. You can, I'm sure Florida State would have been much more sort of open to delaying it by a couple of days if they'd put the sort of measures in place to minimize the impact. But they seem to have just gone down there, pulling a china shop, kind of thinking, well, we're the big boys around here. They'll bow to our wishes. And and if not, then we'll just stick the blame on them and everyone will kind of believe us kind of thing. But it doesn't, it's not really washed with me or anyone else I don't think
3: yeah it's a shame we've, we've seen uh there was the Pac-12 game wasn't there that they delayed it a day or two and mm. it, yeah I, I agree it could have been done but yeah it wasn't
1: <laughs> no. yeah it's it, it, I don't know it, it, I'm really dumbfounded as you can see <laughs> yeah, just, I, am as well. I can't even introduce it you know what I mean it's one of these bizarre things where he just seems to have got completely the wrong end of the stick and, and just then pointing at everyone else I don't know I'm I'm fearing I'm fearing my next my next movement here, but Kieran, go on, what do you what do you reckon to this?
4: Hey, he's a colostomy bag, isn't he? And you know where I'm going with that analogy. He Dabo Sweeney just refuses to accept any responsibility for anything that ever happens that's negative towards Clemson. He'll take full credit for every win they get, but he won't ever accept when they lose or when something poor happens. This was on him. This was a poor decision to make from Clemson, and it's negatively affected FSU. Probably more than it's effect- negatively affected Clemson, because Clemson is sort of like the Patrick Mahomes of college football. They can't do any wrong, and everyone's always going to kiss their ass even if they do mess up. So... Yeah, just, just another cross mark on my list of why I think Dabo Sweeney's a complete and a, a knob, uh, honestly. Sorry, sorry for the language, but he's the only man I dislike in college football more than Spencer Rattler. So, yeah, he, he just consistently time and time again and showed he, he should not be a head coach. He can't accept the responsibility and he, he can't, you know, take any blame. He, he He's like a child. It, when something goes wrong, they're like, hey, shouldn't have done that, Dabo. He's like, well, not my fault. Like, come on, man. You're a grown-ass man. Do At least, look, this is, this is why I like Mike Gundy. Might not be the best coach, but when he, he does something wrong, he'll admit it. You remember the rant? I'm a man. I'm 40. Dabo needs to have some balls about him like that and just say, look, we messed up because I think a lot more people would have a lot more respect for him if he just said, hey, we messed up. We screwed Florida State. I apologize to Florida State. But yeah, that's my piece on it.
1: I don't know if that's the best comparison to make after this summer, to be honest. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, Rob, what do you reckon to this? What do you reckon, obviously the last one to get on the mic on this one, but are you kind of standing with us on this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I lost respect for Dabo Swinney a couple of weeks ago when they played, uh, when when my Notre Dame Fire and Irish beat Clemson. Let me just stick that in there again. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was just, there was one particular instance where there was—I can't remember it now. There was a call that went against him. Swinney just, you know, he he did his bit and he, you know, he threw his dummy out of the pram as he, you know, <laughs> as you do when you're in a in a losing situation. And then the ref changed his mind, and that really pissed me off. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, that's yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with
1: Kieran. Good on you, Kieran. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll probably lose like Clemson listeners, but oh well, I mean, it's it's for all to see, isn't it really? It's it's just a terrible way to handle a, a pretty bad situation, really. And, yeah, is it? I don't know, Trevor Lawrence seeming like like a bit complicit in it, saying it was like bigger than football. Like, very mysterious in what he was saying there. don't really know what he could have meant, but you know, it just seems again trying to sort of shift the blame to, to mm-hmm. FSU rather than... He's rather not going to go it. against
3: his coaches, is he? So... No. Gonna no. The, they're going to it's all about playing football, isn't it? And keeping that record and keeping those conference wins going. That's basically all it was about without all the bigger picture that goes with it at the moment.
0: Just mm-hmm. in that he's deleted the kind of response to that. Uh, oh, really? Okay. It feels like we were ready to play and nothing. So, yeah, interesting. Mm.
4: I think Trevor Lawrence was kind of hoping that against FSU, he could have thrown 10 interceptions and then not been drafted by the Jets. I think that's why he's a little bit salty about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're getting beat by the Chargers these days, it can't be good news, can it? (laughs) (laughs) I'll get in there before you guys do with that one. (laughs) Right then, yeah, obviously a very interesting situation. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously, we're going to talk about uh, AP poll and College Football Playoff poll in the third part of the show today. So we'll kind of maybe mention this again and maybe dip into the reasons uh, why, like Liam kind of alluded to, that they might have wanted to play this game or... had a bit more sort of a vested interest in that game rather than other teams but yeah we're moving to our moving to our games and our reviews and um, should we start in the SEC should we start with a bit of an upset in Arkansas Uh,
4: that wasn't an upset as fully expected we don't (laughs) (laughs) come on our text in the group chat yeah don't expose Not good. don't expose what I said in the group chat midway through the third quarter we can't We can't have that, but, you know, I was shocked that we asked TJ Finley to pass so much. He dropped back 42 times, and I think it's a bit of uh, almost like how Joe Burrow's done in Cincy up until this weekend, where he looks great because, yeah, he's passing so much. Like, it kind of, you know, if you pass, if you drop back 42 times, you're at least going to come up with 200 and something yards, and that's what he did, 271 yards of touchdown uh kept hold of the ball though looked good I mean a lot of people are saying he's one of the best true freshmen they've seen in a while I mean not in terms of performance but in terms of talent and what's actually there and I think maybe he is the future at our quarterback position I think you know I feel sorry for Miles Brennan you've really got the short end of the deal here he's he sat behind Burrow and then gets injured and, and TJ Finley's kind of showed up and looking like QB1 right now which is uh, I don't think would have been the case if we hadn't got rid of Paul Parrish in the offseason. But, uh, you know, things had to happen. The run game actually finally got uh, a bit, a little bit going today. Because, I mean, we've been a bit lackluster in the r- rushing department recently. And Terry and Davis-Price went for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Terence Marshall, again, fantastic. Eric Gilbert, we saw a little bit more out of him this week. I think probably maybe after this freshman year going into next year, he's going to be the best tight end in college football. Sorry, Carl Pitts. So I just, Eric Gilbert is an absolute animal. And I, the way he, he 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 lines up like a wide receiver at the tight end position is is kind of crazy. He almost runs his roots like a slot guy as well. He's, he's very slick. And I know you guys are going to laugh at this, but he does have very explosive hips and he can hit the turns and he can, his footwork's exceptional. I'm not going to bash on Arkansas too much because Felipe Franks, Didn't look, you know, he didn't look great, but he didn't look terrible. Uh, 339 yards, touchdown and a pick. Uh, He also took off for a touchdown on the ground. Once again, though, Arkansas's run game was not there. There's just, that's sort of been a theme with them this year. They've got some great backs, but they've not really been getting them going, which is is a shock because I feel like if they use the run game a lot more than they do, they would actually probably have a lot more success, not just with yardage, but with scoring as well. Because if you've got guys like Rakeem Boyd, who you will hear about soon with the new episode that is dropping uh with me and last chance you head uh, head coach that'll be out soon he talked about rakeem boyd as a special type of talent and when you've got him on the roster and you're not using it's it's honestly a, a waste of talent but uh you know lsu once again on defense we looked terrible i mean we had the one interception uh from cox but Other than that, we were getting exposed and we were were kind of getting sliced up. And I just think it's another week where I'm saying fire Bo Pelini because he's terrible. And every week we hear some news story about, oh, we're going to simplify the offense. I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear it no more. Don't simplify the offense. This is the SEC. If I were to come to the SEC to watch a guy send six on every single play, I'd just go watch Big Ten football. I'd go watch high school football. But... You know, you know, I, I'm happy we got our win, but honestly, I don't think we really deserved it because we got outplayed almost the entire match, and it was just sort of TJ Finley putting the team on his back a little bit towards the end there and getting us within field goal range, but it is what it is. It is what it is.
1: So it was lucky then. Was an upset.
4: Look, <laughs> I say a lot of things and I contradict myself a lot, but I believe in everything I say. <laughs>
1: What a riddle. What a, what an enigma you are. <laughs> what
4: is the sound of one hand clapping? I
1: <laughs> don't know. Getting off getting off on a bit of a tangent now, aren't we? But Liam, did you wanna do you wanna comment on a couple of things that you saw on the SEC this weekend?
3: Yeah, well we're on the SEC. Um I wanted to give a mention to um uh, Tennessee, who I, I thought would be doing better than they are this season, struggling again. Um that's now the um uh, fifth straight game that they've lost by double digits which is the first time that's ever happened in the program and uh, that kind of shows that the kind of level they're playing at as well and the other uh, stat I saw that I wanted to share was Alabama number one team in the country um, slaughtered uh, Kentucky Um in the second half Alabama had more points than Kentucky had yards at 35 points Kentucky only had 27 yards Um I just thought that was worthwhile sharing because uh that was some second half from Alabama.
1: Mm. Yeah, it definitely was. And and well worth the number one spot at the moment. Um for yes. for, me, for my money anyway. Don't know about you.
3: Yeah, no, I agree.
1: Yeah, more, more of that as we as we get through. Um we'll drop down from number one to number three there. I'm gonna talk about Ohio State and Indiana. This was this was a pretty good game, and the the score line it doesn't really reflect the full story, really, because it, it you know it's a score. It's a touchdown, but there's quite a lot of ebb and flow to this one, especially early on. Last week we were talking about Justin Fields and his you know absurd completion percentage. But this this game he was pretty uncomfortable. You know, he threw three picks, two of them were really bad decisions, really bad throws. The, the middle one was you know was a bit unlucky. It was a bad throw, but it was kind of juggled about, and then the Indiana guy came up with it. But no, I mean he looked good, but not he this Indiana defence made him look really uncomfortable, and I think it'll provide some really good teaching tape for the summer. Um, And after the season, when we're all going to look at these guys and and everyone's going to look at these guys and it gives us kind of the second part of the coin, really, in terms of Justin Fields and just shows that he is kind of human and and kind of shows us the floor of what he can be if he's kind of confused and flustered. Because Indiana, as much as they weren't, I don't think they were ever going to win because he needs to play a pretty perfect game against Ohio State, especially, you know, with the pressure on, especially in the horseshoe. But if the, it was like a couple of passes that, that were dropped, a couple of sacks that were missed. And if they've got those plays, they, they could have made this really really close. And they played, they played pretty well, pretty like as well as I thought they could have played, to be honest with you. And it was it was a bit of a shame that that Ohio State kind of have the power that they do, and it was such a mismatch in terms of talent because they you know they did things like scoring two plays and things like that, and they just had such a, a, a just an increased talent level that was available to them. But it was a it was a good game. It was a really good game. It was a really good advertisement for Big Ten football. Um, it was nice to see Ohio struggle a little bit, or how state should I say, struggle a little bit because you know we'd often don't get to see these teams struggle until the playoffs again when playing each other. Um, but no, it was nice. It was it was good. Michael Penix played pretty well, I think got let down by his receivers a couple of times. Uh Ty Freifogel played really well, although he did drop a couple of passes that would have been really vital, especially on an early fourth down. Um, but no, it was it a was really good game, it really good ebb and flow to it. As I said, there was plenty of turnovers. There was three fumbles by Indiana, as I said, three turnovers from Justin Fields himself with interceptions. Um, but yeah, it wasn't quite to be for the result that we were kind of all hoping for, I think, in terms of Indiana getting the big upset and kind of taking control of the Big Ten East. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a really good game. And other kind of little bit of teaching tape that come from it was Sean Wade actually played really well. I know it was a bit of a detractor of his when we were doing our mock draft and talking about not really wanting to put him in the first round, um, but he got he got a pick and played played pretty well on the outside as well. So nice to see him kind of take a step forward, or two. Um, although you know the Indiana Hoosiers offense isn't. You know, they're, they're a team that's sort of led by their D really and um, it wasn't the biggest test for them but nice to see see make plays nonetheless. So yeah, Ohio State are going to be cemented in that top four now. Obviously probably going to go on to the Big Ten Championship and probably going to play Northwestern as well which is a bit of a, a bit of a turn up for the books as well in their big game against Wisconsin which they came out on the winners of. So yeah, I think the Big Ten's kind of taking shape now and um, Ohio State definitely going to be front and centre for that one.
3: I wanted to say uh, thank you for mentioning Sean Wade because I was going to. If you weren't, <laughs> he's getting the knack of um, playing out on the outside and that man coverage. Like I agree completely. Before this season, he's a slot corner, and his struggles have been learning how to play on the outside there. And he's and getting a pick six like that towards the end of the game. It's uh it's positive. It's a he's definitely getting the knack of it, and he's he's learning, which is positive in terms of draft stock.
1: Yeah, definitely. Actually, I, I just realised I could put it in a disservice. I didn't actually mention that it was a pick six. I just actually mentioned that it was a, a pick. But yeah, you, know, you are right. And yeah, like I say, it's, it's going to make the corner back class even stronger. I think we're, we rate it quite highly amongst us. You know, we keep putting a lot of corners in our drafts and things like that. So it'd be good to see him kind of, you know make the step up and 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 be another guy who we can kind of look at to, to draft and again as a Chargers fan I think maybe looking around our teams that we support here we could do with a few corners between us so it'd yes. be nice if it was a, a, a class <laughs> that it was full of them in fact I don't think there's one of us that don't need a corner to be honest looking around us <laughs> I think the Chargers could do with two as well um <laughs> over here so yeah maybe doubling down maybe Sean Wade might be out one of them that we take but um Yeah, no, like I said, good teaching tape for a couple of top prospects that we'll be seeing come out of Ohio State. And um, yeah, like I said, a good advertisement for Big Ten football um, on on Saturday.
2: One question I've got um, for for you, Lee, about the running backs. I did put this in Mm. our our group chat earlier. Master Teague versus Trey Sermon. Sure. box scores throughout the season Master Teague looks like he's got the got the edge I haven't actually sat and watched any Ohio State so I can't really comment that's why I'm asking you who out of those two because at the moment I'm doing some running back research I'm doing at the moment Trey Sermon seems to be going slightly hot well in mock drafts anyway slightly higher than Master Teague but but Teague looks like he's got the upper hand in this offense
1: is that right or yeah it's a bit it's a bit of a funny one Um, the fact that they're both kind of trying to replace JK Dobbins. I don't think either are kind of succeeding. I think Ohio State's coaches are trying to cobble it together. But yeah, it is a bit of a funny one. um, you know, Sermon coming from Oklahoma, a high-powered offense, has been pretty productive in that. He's played a couple of seasons fully, um, tailed off a little bit last year, but he's not he's not got the he's not J.K. Dobbins. Let's just say that. Yeah. Master Sieg is is looking much better, and that is. That is very, very true in terms of his skill level and kind of on the face of it just looks like the better back. However, he's much younger, which means probably he's not going to come out as a redshirt sophomore, or I wouldn't imagine he would. I imagine he'd probably want another year in that offence, especially yeah. if you know, Ohio State are going to give him the carries as well. And then he becomes kind of the senior back, let's say, yeah. which, which is the kind of role that Sermon would fill now, which I think is more of a sample size thing rather than a skill thing. But yeah, you're right to point out for sure that it is a bit of a weird one.
2: Yeah, I think Teague probably will stay in just because, obviously, like you said, he, he was shadowing J.K. Dobbins um, last season. And, and now he's got Trey Sermon coming over from Oklahoma. So it mm. would make sense for Martha Teague to stay in for another year, definitely. Mm. Um, but, yeah, interesting to see just, you know, like I said, I've been doing a little bit of research on these mm. guys and to see that Sermon's arrow is probably pointing down, but Master Teague's Teague is, is pointing up.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It is a bit of a weird one, but obviously lots of evaluation to be done, lots of football to be played. And yeah, looking forward, I might tease this little project that you've got going on, or quite, in fact, a quite a big project and doing quite a disservice there, but obviously um, you've got quite a lot going on there.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yeah um, It is hard work, but yeah, <laughs> we'll
1: hmm. get to that later. Liam, did you want to come in on, on this running back debate that, you, that we have in
3: here? Oh, I just wanted to say I'm really pleased that Master Teague is having such a good season because I loved watching him last year. And I was gutted for him when um, Ohio State with the team, Trey Sermon, ended up going to Sermon, like, say, really highly rated at Oklahoma. I think they wanted to keep him. Mm. Um, as soon as he entered the transfer portal, that became a story in itself. And, um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed for Teague that, um, that Sermon was going to kind of go there and go into the Ohio State backfield. And um, Teague's carried on from last year, carried on playing really well. Mm. I hope that he stays another year. I know that he'll be tempted, especially the longer that the season goes on and the, the more carries he does and the more positive games he has. But, um, yeah, I think that uh, it would be nice for him to to stay one more year just uh, because then we'll see if they really do have another J.K. Dobbins because mm. it, it'll be all, the backfield will be all his.
1: Yeah, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? That he'd, he'd kind of have the run of it, especially, like I said, before being kind of the senior guy back there then um, from next year onwards. Yeah, Andy, you're going to take us over to the West Coast, aren't you? Talk about some USC. Not leaving it to last minute this week. Must have been quite a relaxing game for USC fans this week.
0: Yeah, it's a good one to be fair. But um, like I think we talked about last week about uh, the USC game was full of turnovers and uh, no different this week. Five turnovers from Utah, uh, 33-17 win for the Trojans. But um, yeah, it's a good. It was an uh, interesting one to watch. I think it was um, one where you kind of saw. Um, the real talent that the, that the Trojans have got, wide Receiver, um, Brew McCoy, uh, Tyler Vaughns, uh, St. Brown and London all kind of getting five, six, seven, eight targets each I and mean, the ball was really kind of been spread around the offence and to be honest, they, they took advantage of a lot of short field situations uh, um, particularly in the second quarter where I think the, uh, the well, Utah turned it over three times alone in that quarter and it was all kind of like dodgy handoffs and uh, and really forcing the ball there from Jake Bendy. so um, yeah like the sign of champions though is always or not champions the sign of like the best teams is always kind of converting those opportunities though isn't it and so they didn't really mess around this week uh, put the ball in the end zone um, a lot of like just dink and dunk f- football from Caden Slovis to be fair um, but then he didn't need to do anything different so that was it was nice to watch um, one particularly horrendous throw from Slovis, though, which like, if you watch the, the highlight film back, and he gets picked off, and it is like one of those ones that's really bad. It just looks horrible from from the moment it comes out, and it it was like miles wide of his target, and just like jumped straight into the midriff of the uh, of the safety. So yeah, that was a that's one to watch, and one I'm um, no doubt he'll be looking back now and taking some lessons from. Uh, and the final point from the game, as uh, as I tweeted out again, was the uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, that left tackle uh, for the Trojans. He's looking fantastic. And, and I mean, I put him in the top 10 of my uh, mock draft a couple of weeks ago. Probably at the time was projecting a bit, but I, I can really see it happening at this rate. He, he just looks solid. Uh, nothing's coming past him and he's just bullying guys on the edge.
1: Yeah, the uh, the clip that you posted to your Twitter was was a really strong rep, wasn't it? It Just absolutely bullied the guy and then pancaked him. And uh, yeah, considering it's his second or third, maybe his third game now, what it third game at left tackle, just looks like a natural, doesn't he? And you know, with that versatility of being a top end guard as well, you just can see his draft stock just rising and rising and rising as the season goes on. But yeah, no, um, really, really good shout. And you said about having a few rogue picks. It seems to be one that you might be hitting on uh, so far okay, in the cool. season.
0: Could really do with him going to the Dolphins. To be honest, after like last night, it was like a wide open gate to tour, and then obviously you got pulled from it. So uh, yeah, like that would be a dream. At the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. Um, yeah, just on one on Caden Slovis. Obviously, you were talking about a bit of a careless uh, interception that was kind of a bit off target as well, and it kind of reminded me of the one that he he had against uh, Arizona State in the very first game. That kind of just off target every now and then, where he just kind of just seems to chuck up a really like wild one and it just seems to get picked off. Obviously you get away with them sometimes, but not, I don't want to say alarming signs, but not what we'd expected last year. I know last year was his freshman year and he played really well, but kind of don't want to see that regression in, in terms of throwing these, these wild, wild picks and wild throws really. But yeah, one to watch maybe.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's like a lot of, uh, well, a lot of, lot of pressure on him to run the offense as well, despite the fact they've got a couple of very good backs there to, to, book, to, to like, call on it's just all going through the passing game, and I don't know whether that's kind of pressure to feed those like highly talented receivers, um, and to kind of you know showcase their, their ability. But it just seems that they could do it taking a slight bit of weight off his shoulder and just like using that run game. We all know they've got a couple of decent backs there, so just just put them through for, for a change and stop. Just you know, you, you see them line up with five wide and stuff like every other play, so don't, they really don't need to do that. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, they've got a pretty all-round offense for them. They just need to utilize it a little bit more. Kieran, did you want to come in there, mate?
4: Yeah, I was about to say they're just. I I'm surprised they're not utilizing the run game as much, but they're just that school that deals in blue chip quarterback stock, so they they've always trying to not necessarily a guys stats because it's not exactly an air raid offense, but they've got these blue chip prospects and they really want to wheel them out there to the world and sort of show that they're a quarterback factory. So uh, even if it doesn't translate on the next level, they always have very strong college quarterbacks. So I, I feel like that's probably in the minds of the coaches there. Cause they know they've got that pedigree. They're just going to lean on the pass game a little bit more than maybe other certain schools would.
1: Mm, yeah. It's a good point. Actually. they have a lot of talent come out there. Um, of, I would say it's probably the conference of quarterbacks rather than just the school, but, but yeah, um, yeah, good point. Liam, you're going to take us over to Coastal Carolina, one one that's kind of creeping up on the rails and one that we're kind of mentioning quite a lot on the the pod.
3: Let's talk about <laughs> the. F- <laughs> Let's talk about the fun belt. <laughs> it, this is the the big one in the Sun Belt Conference, wasn't it? Appalachian State going to Coastal Carolina. Um, Pre-game, as good as Coastal Carolina have been, I would have uh, said Appalachian State would have been favourites to win it just because of their. It's kind of been their conference for a few years, and until someone goes in and beats them, they're there to be beaten. It's their conference, and and the first half they, it was a really good close game. Um, In the first uh, quarter, they uh, put a touchdown each up. Very different touchdowns: a one-yard run for Appalachian State, and then a seventy-five-yard pass. Um, on the first play of Coastal Carolina's offence. Uh, Grace McCall finding the wonderfully named Isaiah Likely uh, for their first score. App um, State showed that um, they're not going to be giving up this sunbelt even for an informed team. They, um, The second quarter, they played really well, um, got the only other touchdown of the half and got a 17-9 halftime lead. Um, Coastal obviously had a hell of a team talk. Uh, because they, they came out in the second half and outscored the Mountaineers 25-6. to six. Um, McCall was making nice throws. He got a 62-yard touchdown run as well. Um, the defence came up big, slowed App State down so much that uh, they forced three interceptions in the second half. Um, they uh, sealed it at the end with a, a pick-six um, to Jordan Strong, who had two picks in the game. And um, after through a game that was a close first half and five lead changes. Coastal Carolina moved away, uh, got their win, sealing an 8-0 record, uh, still moved down in the AP poll, um, but are well in in control of the Sunbelt now.
1: Yeah, obviously in the same uh, division as App State and obviously a couple of games ahead of them now in terms of wins. Obviously, we mentioned Coastal a fair bit on the pod, especially in recent times as they've been kind of going through their unbeaten season. Do you see a great deal of draftable talent on this team or is it just a good college team that's having a great year?
3: I like the running back, C.J. Marrable. He's probably the most draftable guy on offence. I haven't watched their defence nearly enough, although they they certainly picked it up in the second half. Mm. Um, Grayson McCall's making plays in these... I think he's a draft-eligible quarterback um, this year, but um, I think um, Marrable, the running back, is probably the nearest. They, they don't have a standout uh, wide receiver either yeah probably the the running backs probably the got the most uh draftable potential mm. and yeah they're obviously they're going to continue to make waves the longer they go unbeaten aren't they so I'm sure that there'll be more taper than watched
1: mm. yeah definitely got a couple of tasty games coming up but yeah good to kind of sound out maybe one or two players of theirs that are you know potentially ones we're going to be looking out for in the spring and things like that so yeah no nice to go for but maybe yeah. um Maybe a team that's a greater than some of the parts a little bit rather than having a load of talent that's in there that's gonna be we're gonna be seeing in the NFL in five years' of time.
3: I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, and App State, as I say, they they played well, especially in the first half. They were well in it. But um yeah, whatever was said at half time, Coastal Carolina well up for that second half and moved away from pretty easily in the end.
4: I just would say while we're talking about sort of like the fun teams we've been following. Liberty fell this weekend. They fell 15-14 uh, to 14 to NC State. That was uh, We'll have a moment's silence for them. That, that was sad. RIP to the boys.
1: Yeah, that wasn't fun, was it? We, we've been following Liberty a little bit and uh, kind of a shame that they lose to, I'm sorry, by the way, to um, <laughs> NC State fans, but to just a no, nothing team, really. Just like an also-around. Would have been nice to, to see them kind of just carry on their win. So we're literally losing your, fans you, at all. Your ACC UNC
3: fandoms <laughs> coming out there, calling NC <laughs> State a nothing team. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
3: <laughs> I did think it was interesting that Liberty was six-point favorites before the game I, on the road to NC State. I thought, well, that's a that's a sign of the times. That'll be a, a tough one. And it mm. and it, it was. It NC State's a tough place to go for anyone. Mm. Rob, did you want
1: to come in then on that one? That's what you had to yeah. Talk about. talk
2: about a bit about App State bringing it back uh, to that game. Um, I did catch a bit of this game, obviously having a soft spot for app state and coast Carolina were clever what they did app state. have got two very good cornerbacks who are probably going to be NFL bound, which is rare for app state uh, players. We usually get one or two every sort of three or four years, but um, they're like a, a British bus service at the moment. Cause there's sort of two or three coming along every season um, at the moment. Um, and, and what they did was they went across the middle to the tight end um, and punished the linebackers. They left the corners alone. I think there was only uh, something stupid like 63 yards to wide receivers or something that was given up. Um, so it was, it was well played by Coastal Carolina. Um, like Liam said, uh, Marable looked really good. Um, it's really frustrating uh, on the app state sort of side. We can't seem to get. Um, I say we can't even can get a run game going with Cameron Peoples ran for 178 <laughs> yards with a touchdown, but it's it's very frustrating to see there's no consistency with it because watching last week and Marcus Williams looked f- phenomenal, and in week two, Marcus Williams looked phenomenal, but he's so he caught, sort of doesn't he didn't even get a touch this game. Um, obviously Cameron people like I said, Cameron people went for 178 yards. So, you know, you can't, it's, it's just, it'd be nice to have some consistency in that team. Uh, Thomas Hennigan as well, the wide receiver looks so good the first two or three weeks. He's fallen off a bit of a cliff and went five for 40 um, and doesn't seem to be doing much. Uh, Zach Thomas, again, he, he's a good quarterback, um, but he's, he struggled the last couple of weeks and App State just haven't looked themselves this year, this season at all. Uh, right from early doors, I know they had a lot of COVID cases um, their pre-season, but they just, just haven't seemed to got into their, into their groove at all this year. And I think that was proven this game. Ka- Coastal Carolina, take nothing away from them. They're, they're absolutely fantastic and they're sitting there 8-0, and having a great, great season. Um, but I think I think App State would be disappointed not to win that game. Um, and I think had it been... Obviously last season, uh, the season before Upstate would have that's the kind of game that the sort of grindy game that 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 they win. Um but but like Liam said second half, they just weren't they weren't there.
3: Yeah, just to, I absolutely agree that a year or two ago they'd have won. They're in that, that natural cycle now of they're mm-hmm. they're a young team this year. So if you think about the, the positions that you just mentioned, who they've lost in the last two drafts, like Darrington Evans, the running back, Hakeem Davis Gay yeah, yeah. through pass rush, they look like a young team uh, yesterday. Or Saturday mm-hmm. and um, it's that as I say the Peter that, that kind of natural cycle of, of college football and a agreed to, like in the last couple of years they would probably win that game and in the next couple of years they'll probably win that game as well it's just uh, yeah, they're, they're on the kind of wrong side of the It'll be I interesting. Young roster at the moment. It'll
2: be interesting to see what they do going forward, quarterback. Because obviously Zach Thomas is senior, so he's, he's coming out this year. Um, yeah. So they're going to have to replace that, and that's going to be a big piece uh, mm. of the last two or three years for for them. So so that'd be interesting.
3: They're going to have a good run game. Like Cameron Peoples mm-hmm. look good. There's um a freshman. I forget his Christian name. Surname's Noel. That was um playing well yesterday. Had some good runs. Um. So they they and Nate, they tend to that's him. Yeah, they tend to have a good run game, and that that's a big positive. For whoever replaces Zach Thomas, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely one 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 to watch in the future. One to watch in the next couple of years, how they replace and see if they can sort of send back to the top. Nice mountaineers joke there for anyone. <laughs> um, Very to the top well of the, Back to the top of the conference um, in the Sun Belt, which, like you say, is it's the fun belt, isn't it? You know, the really. Um, you know, we've got Louisiana in the opposite uh, division, obviously playing yep. some good football and, and yeah, it's been, it's been obviously is always a really fun conference to watch, isn't it? And like one of these very, very small conferences that that just produces quite a lot of good games and good talent and just little interesting storylines, which is which is fantastic. Talking about um, a team that's provided with a few storylines and maybe a team that's kind of at the top of their cycle, um, obviously you've got Cincinnati knocking off mm. UCF with another, another win. Um, UCF probably in the Sort of back end of this, I like, can't end. Probably yeah. suffering a little bit, and since t- took him, took him to the cleaners, really.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, because it, it, cause although the score the score was only three points, this is this is more than a three point game, I, I would say. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati
2: would a better team, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, the takeaways.
1: <laughs> f- I've got Andy f- on Andy on the other side. Uh, yeah. my comments.
0: I'll come in. I'll come in in a minute. there was
2: for me watching this game there was two takeaways Uh, it was it was desmond ridder um who looked absolutely phenomenal um and then on the other side um marlon williams the the wide receiver from ucf absolute animal i cannot wait to see this bloke to see this kid in the nfl He, he is incredible um just looking at his box scores for the year this is marlon williams the wide receiver um for UCF he has got he has had under 95 yards receiving just once this season all the other games that he's played which is seven eight other games have been over 95 yards receiving he's just had an incredible season already over a thousand yards and he just looks like a beast on the ball and um, there was one touchdown that he plowed three or four Cincinnati defenders down just to get over the line it just was phenomenal um unfortunately probably was at fault for interception though um which was a key part of the game uh, for Cincinnati but it, like i said Desmond Riddle he looks he looks really really good um on the ground as well as through the air uh he had 57 rushing yards with two rush touchdowns as well uh one of them was just a little dink over the top at the goal line um Yeah, it was a good game to watch and I I thoroughly like watching these games because I said a couple of weeks ago for 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 ND versus Clemson. It was like watching an NFL game. I really like that because it's not one of these games like mentioned Alabama and to to coin a phrase from my favorite person. Absolutely molly whopping um, Kentucky. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, that's 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 for me is not exciting uh, these games are the tight games that are played like an nfl game so that's what i want to be watching and this very much was like that really enjoyed it um I am, the, I think, the only one in the room that it, that wants Cincinnati to lose, just because. And there's a one simple reason for that: if Notre Dame lose a game, we're gonna be the ones that get out of the top four. And since, for, for like, to Cincinnati to get in it, so uh, um, I was sneakily hoping for a UCF win. It was tight. I think it was a bit tighter than you think it was, Lee. It was. A, it was a good game though, um, and and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Andy, um, t- tell tell Lee that he's wrong.
0: Wrong man. UCF beat themselves in this game. They were the better team, Uh, some stupid penalties, Um, and Dillian Gabriel is a better quarterback than Desmond Ritter. And that's all facts because short, left-handed quarterbacks who get the ball out quickly. <laughs> uh, the yeah. um, you did
2: say it was two or two point, two, two or two point, oh, didn't you?
0: I'll see. I'm quite happy to have him sat as our backup, uh, in a couple of seasons <laughs> just because we won't have to change the offenses at all. But now, seriously, I, I genuinely thought UCF had got this, um, throughout. And um, then they just the stupid interception there was, was, um, it gave me too much on it and it just fired through the hands of Williams, didn't it? But then mm. it was more the kind of um, unnecessary roughness like that did two or three. Out of bounds and that kind of thing, and that really, really drives me mad with the uh, NFL teams as well as college teams. It's just lack of discipline, isn't it? And, and there's a couple of those on like key drives that just set them back. Uh, and yeah. then like 86 yards penalties—that's another touchdown uh, if you if you put it all together. And uh, yeah, I, I genuinely think that UCF beat themselves this game rather than Cincinnati. I
2: just—I don't know. I—I I, I, like I said at the beginning, I think Cincinnati were the better team. I think it was closer, the closer than what Lee said though. I think I think it was a tight game. The one thing I will say, another thing that I took away from Cincinnati was the the rush, running game was really good. um, Doakes, um I get his first name escapes me, is it Jared or something Jared, like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he he looked really good, really really good. Um, had some good runs, um, so I was impressed with him as well.
4: Sick of the Cincinnati disrespect, to be honest. And it, yeah, it, it takes... been, to be
1: fair, mate, it hasn't been a great deal. I think we've
2: been... No, it's not. That. Everyone's been loving it. I'm the only one who said anything.
4: I will say what I said last week on the NFL show when the Packers beat the Jags. It's games like this that set teams apart because it's not a pretty win, but they find a way to win. They grind it out. And yeah, it wasn't a pretty win for Cincinnati, but they were the better team. I don't want to hear... This, right, this, oh, this really pisses me off when people say this. Well, UCF deserved to win. Well, no, because they scored less points. So <laughs> Cincinnati deserved to win because they scored the most points. And isn't that the point of a football game? If it was who tried harder, there wouldn't be points in the playoff because we'd just be like, yes, everyone gets a participation trophy, guys. You tried your hardest. Nah, I'm sick of it. Cincinnati deserved to win that game. It wasn't always pretty, but they ground it out and they proved that they wanted that win and that's what they walked away with.
0: He's just angry. He's a Patriots fan. It's fine. <laughs> Everyone move on. <laughs> I live thought, in Cincinnati.
4: I, I've got to be angry.
0: I
1: thought we were going to get the speech again, to be honest. When <laughs> <laughs> Baseball player in the Hall of Fame, no, himself. Big, yeah. <laughs> <XY>. <laughs> We've heard it. <laughs>
4: the only positive thing this... Entire city has is you can get chili con carne from a drive through, but they serve it with spaghetti, so everyone in the whole city's pissed off.
1: <laughs> That's wrong, so wrong. Let's move on, Liam. Did you want to come in on this game and stop this food take nonsense that we're getting into?
3: Oh, cats. no, they've been Cincinnati all, all the way this season, so I'm going to throw my hat mm. in and back them up as well. Um. Yeah, don't, uh, we, we need to keep them winning so that they make that college football playoff.
1: Mm. Yeah, perhaps I was, I was a touch unkind, but um, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Put the pat amongst the pigeons. Got you all talking, didn't it? <laughs> so yeah, that kind of finished our roundup of the games. Um, just want to kind of say, shout out Kenny Pickett, 400 yard game for Pitt. Kind of forgot about him because he's not been playing very well. So rightly so. But, you know, came back a little bit against Virginia Tech, got 400 yards and and Pitt kind of, yeah, wiped the floor. Actually wiped the floor this time, not a fake wiped the floor like I just talked about with uh, Cincinnati and, and UCF uh, with, with Virginia Tech and, and, yeah, played played well, well by all accounts. And um, on the opposite side, kind of uh, going back to my losers column, is uh, is Penn State. What's going on there then? 0-5 for the first time. James Franklin looking a little bit... Well, I suppose he's he's been a really good coach there so just looking a bit out of out of form and out of favour really with that one and, and just not really what we come to expect from him and his teams really I know they've lost a bit of talent obviously over the past couple of seasons with the draft and obviously with opt-outs journey brown and um Michael Parsons but yeah Owen Owen five it's just not what we expect, is it
4: I could make a joke about losing Trace McSorley but uh I I think honestly it, it, we talk about a, a lot about momentum in sports, but it can also happen the other way. You hit a slump, and that can be it for the rest of the season. And through the talent they've lost, the opt-outs they had, and the, the, the terrible start to the season, I think that's it. They've hit a slump, and they're in their funk right now. And mm. you know, I don't. I think probably they're going to switch head coaches after this season. I mean, that that probably. Seems like the move they're going to make, even if it is a little bit hasty. But uh, yeah, I expected Penn State to do better and just who they are as a program. You know, they're normally known for at least keeping things exciting and generally, you know, making a bowl game most seasons. So uh, I think it is is the, the opposite of momentum. They've got into that slump early and they're trying to really not digging themselves out of it it seems like coaches and coordinators are second guessing at every single decision they make and that's translating to players as well the quarterbacks you know he's not throwing good they're just not getting anything going and I think it is they're in their funk and that's it now for the rest of the season they just they just thrown away season at this point
0: Mm.
1: yeah what is what is the reverse of momentum what is the what is the opposite of momentum don't know um, but yeah, no, it's, it, yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think they're just you know, having a bit of a slump, having a bit of a down season and, and maybe they'll get back. Maybe James Franklin won't be there. Maybe you're right, I don't know. But he's got a bit of credit in the bank, I would say, to kind of carry that on if he wanted to, I would say. Let's, um, let's move on into our last part of the programme then. So we're going to talk about the AP poll, obviously uh, going to split into the coaches poll. No, sorry, going to split into the college football playoff poll rankings, however you want to say it. Um, And obviously that will cause a bit of controversy. We've kind of been talking at the beginning, talking about Clemson and how they've got a bit of a vested interest in this. Liam, you you kind of suggested this to be a bit of a talking point. So I'm going to throw it over to you at this point.
3: Um, Yeah, because it's that time of year that the time of year that I always forget happens where the CFP, the College Football Playoff poll, comes out and it's separate from the AP poll. So already for those that maybe newer to college football and have the ap poll next to the coaches poll we now have the college football poll as well and um this uh it's uh we are recording this on a monday it'll be released on wednesday and tuesday the college football poll first of this season is coming out and um that is the one to follow that then will set the top four college football playoff places come the end of the season and as it stands, it seems like we can confidently say that it will be Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State as the top three and one of Cincinnati or Northwestern from the Big Ten. Um, Clemson, Texas A&M, Florida hanging around, but I don't think they're going to be considered. But just for this week, I think that's probably the way it's going to go. Well,
1: we'll bring you in nice and early at this one because you've been quite vocal, I think on the podcast before and also within our group that you just don't think like a small team can get in. I just, the angle I
2: go with with that, and I just, just quickly by the way, I just flicked onto CBS to see the, the AP top 25 coaches poll. And it's also got playoff rankings here. And LSU are sitting at number one. And I've just seen us from last year. Sorry, Kieran. Um, they're no longer there. They're not even, <laughs> they're not even in the top 70, pal, now. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I, I, the reason I, the angle I go with is the fact that, you know, UCF, I'm developing a little bit of a soft spot for UCF, I think. Um, but, you know, they were so good two years ago, three years ago. I think they did they go two full seasons unbeaten, or was it one full season? Or it was two full seasons. I think you did him for just swearing at me. I oh, know you had your two years all the way around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I think if there was going to be a group of five team that got in the top four, it would have been then. With, with that, crazy good ucf team two years unbeaten still didn't get in the top four so why should cincinnati get in the top four this year is it a a covid related thing is it because certain teams haven't played as many games is is, does that factor into it at all i don't know but i think just purely because ucf didn't get in on that fantastic stretch why should cincinnati get in this time and let me i've been very anti-cincinnati this this, this, <laughs> this show and I'm, I'm not i'm really not I, I would love them to get in because it would be a term for the books and and i, I want that i want there to be diff- i want there to be some diversity in college football because there's not that at the moment it's very it's it's poorly run poorly managed and it's just, it really pisses me off at the end of the day but uh you know yeah the, re- the reason i don't want them to get in is because i think it'll be Notre Dame that i just got this maybe not now we've beaten clemson but it was mm. always just the fact that if if Notre Dame now lose one will be the the one that's cut out of that group. So, um, but no, I, I don't know. I just think that if it would have happened, it would happened already and it would have been UCF a couple of years ago. That's, that's the angle that I go with.
4: Yeah. I think if, if any team deserves it, that's, that's not one of the regulars, it's got to be Cincinnati or Notre Dame because Notre Dame took out Clemson. That's that's huge. No matter what way you want to slice it, whether you're a Notre Dame fan or not, that is absolutely gigantic. No one expected Clemson to lose any games going into this season. But like I said, it would be nice to see someone else up there because even though Notre Dame are, you know, you don't see them in the playoffs every year. If you think about it, they're one of the usual suspects. They're one of these big college programs. And Cincinnati... program. Yeah, for sure. They're like a... well. Also, they're well-known. They're a storied historic program, yeah. and people know who they are. So I, I, I think Cincinnati would really shake it up. And actually, right now, ESPN has got them sat at, uh, I think it's number five, at winning a college uh, – yeah, chance to win a national championship. Cincinnati is sat at number five just behind Notre Dame. So that's huge for them. And I, I think, you know, if, if anyone – I don't know why Clemson's still in the top five. They've took a, a I, loss.
2: I tell you why is because, and this is what the, this is what pisses me off the most about college football. let's just say Notre Dame lose next week, week after whatever, Clemson will be above Notre Dame despite Notre Dame beating Clemson because it, they'll go down the route of oh they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. It was a uh, you know it was the second quarterback. It was this that another, and Clemson will be higher than notre dame if notre dame lose that is the sorry state of of college football that is the that is what it will be i guarantee you
4: they'll they'll say that as well about trevor lawrence forgetting that dj ungulele whatever he yeah he threw for 400 plus yards and looked absolutely exactly. fantastic exactly. and then you'll get all these college foot sorry college football guys but you get all these college football nerds going oh well, wow uh, they, that was a quality loss, and uh, exactly. they, they still deserve to be in it because. Of, shut up, man! You just need to put the Cincinnati. They took a loss. Get them out. This is not based on point spread. This is based on record. Get them out. Coastal Carolina in at five. <laughs> I want to see that field in the playoffs. That's an awesome field. I want to. I want to hear that
2: be. voice more in this podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> managed to channel your inner PFF guy. Oh,
3: them as well. Let's <laughs> not let's <laughs> Let's, not, let's ah, stop, stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. <laughs> I've I've opened a can of worms. I wish I'd not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you guys I think you guys are right. I mean, let me let me just kind of put a bit of a cynical angle on this, and this is kind of something I mentioned obviously to you guys earlier. In the cynic in me says that the whoever makes up you know the the, the decision at the end of the day wants to put Northwestern or Cincinnati because then it gives Alabama a nice easy route to the final. Do you reckon there's any legs in that or am I being super cynical? Mm, I don't know. They didn't put Alabama in last year. You know, no, I saw... but they, they do like Alabama, don't they? Let's be honest. True. Very true. Go on, we going to say something then.
3: I thought the, the, the cynic in you was uh, going to say that you'd put the bigger team in. I, I think that they, they try to go down that route, especially uh, in terms of when it comes to a Cincinnati or a BYU not being in there. Mm. Um, in terms of like what's going to come out on Tuesday, I think Cincinnati has a real chance to be number four because it's it's week, it's weekly. But if you were then to ask me, are they going to stay there at the end of the season? i Say that they probably weren't, but I think that they should be number four at the moment because it's a weekly and moving or organic ranking system. So, mm. um, um, also shout out to Northwestern for going five and oh so far this season. If they continue to do their thing, they'll be favored much higher, much highly than Cincinnati, um, just based on strength of schedule. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'll come to you in a second, Kieran. But where do BYU figure in this? Because they're nine and zero at the minute, and you know they're being sanded out by Pac-12 teams to, um, you know, be, be arranging games. They're kind of being a bit cool on it after their their tweet saying any any squad any place kind of thing, which they're yeah. kind of reneging on a little bit now, which makes them seem a bit weak. But I'm sure we'll get some games out there. You know, they're just going to pick and choose and pick the ones that kind of suit them the most because they're kind of playing from a, a place of strength, really, aren't they?
3: Yeah, as long as their record stays. Well, as long as um, Cincinnati and Northwestern keep winning, BYU are uh, destined to finish about the kind of six or seven mm. range. Um, but they're there and their strength of schedule, to say again, that will hold up if, uh, if another team slips up.
1: How do you think it will affect them if they can get a decent Pac-12 game in there? Do you think that will maybe vault them up to being right in there with... Yeah, will help. Yeah, because it will
3: improve that cool. the strength of schedule is obviously a massive thing, which sure. is why I think Cincinnati, as much as uh, I'm going to like cheer them on and say they deserve it this week, it's unlikely come the end of the season that they get in because of their weaker schedule. Mm-hmm. So the the better games that someone like BYU can arrange for themselves, yeah, then definitely worthwhile.
1: They need. I feel like they need to use that advantage of not, you know, being an independent really and just be able to pick and choose. Their games, obviously,
3: as they go Normally they would have done, because Mm. I think at Mm. the start of this year, because it being COVID affected, I think somebody pointed out that their their schedule was actually weaker for it. And Mm -hmm. then you could say in a normal year, they probably wouldn't be unbeaten. But they have the opportunity option to arrange um, a couple of the Big Ten teams as well. I've seen it suggested that I think they have a bye week when uh, a Michigan game was... Called off, so somebody suggested they give Michigan a oh, well, call. there you
1: which, go, there's a win, that's a, yeah. that's a juicy win for them.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it <Certainly laughs> like like uh, certainly um, be worth worth their worth a phone call, wouldn't it?
1: Absolutely, yeah, I definitely think they could they could win that game. And you know, it adds. You know, we're just talking about like blue blood programs and top top like programs that are stored and things like that. You know, you've got if you've got a win against a team like that, although you no, know, it's not a great. Michigan team, it isn't really these days, is it? But you know he still looks good on the resume, doesn't
3: it? Yeah, it would test Zach Wilson as a mm. prospect. I think Michigan are stronger defensively than offensively at the moment, so mm. I mean, their defense isn't even that great, but still, it's it'd be it'd be worthwhile, it'd be worth having a, having a look, wouldn't it? I think it'd be quite a good matchup, actually. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I know, obviously, there's
4: all this case made uh, for strength of schedule and stuff, but we see some years that teams get completely shafted for that. Like Clemson play, sorry, Andy, they play nobodies pretty much all year. Ohio State play pretty much nobodies all year. Like last year, Ohio State and Clemson were ranked above teams like LSU and Alabama, who were constantly playing absolute killers in the SEC every year. Oh, they come were, on.
1: You can't say that. The SEC were, is crap
4: while they were beaten down on like some football team from the FCS no one has ever heard of and and Ohio State was ranked number one and two and Clemson was ranked number one and two. And then even after wins over like Alabama, Arkansas, AM, some of these big story programs, LSU was still satellite number four half the season. So I think the rankings don't really take into strength of schedule except for when it's the bigger teams like Clemson and Ohio State. And I'm gonna do the nerd voice again, but you, you get all the people. Like I said, it's a quality loss. Nobody it shouldn't be about that. You, sh- if you want to do it properly, you should go on record alone, because this is why I'm advocating for the eight-man, the 18 playoff. Take uh, the best team from every conference. That's it. If 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 um, LSU and Alabama are in the playoffs, load of crap because only one of them's the best team in the SEC. And if Clemson and Notre Dame, only one of them's the best in the ACC it's just yeah it's just annoys me
1: i mean we've we've kind of touched on it in past haven't we about a restructuring and and it needs to be done in a different way because this isn't really a fair way to go about it there's a lot of gray areas there's a lot of discrepancies in the way people kind of judge it and kind of comes down to you know a few guys in a room together doesn't it at the end of the day
3: uh yeah i was just gonna say this time last year um clemson were still unbeaten and weren't placed in the top four Mm -hmm. and uh but i uh, but they were still in a really strong position. And uh, I think they, they feel they're probably going to feel uh, be in the same situation again, even though their season is weaker this year.
1: Yeah, it's one to keep our eyes on, isn't it? As, as, the, as the poll comes out next week, we might have a little comment on it, see what's actually happened. Cause as you mentioned before, kind of re- recording this before the fact on a, on a Monday evening. So we'll, we'll kind of see what shakes out and um, kind of see what we, what we think moving forward. But obviously we've made our predictions and, um, Couple of times a season now, and we might revisit that in the in the near future. Unless you guys want to do it, do you want to kind of revisit it now and see what you think? What, who, what do you reckon in terms of top four? Uh, I'll jump in then. Alabama number one, I think that's a given.
2: Um, I think you know they're just going to continue steamrolling teams. Um, actually, I haven't seen Alabama's schedule. They, have they got anyone meet you coming up? They must have someone meet you coming up soon,
3: haven't they? I think the Auburn. LSU the LSU game is probably. The are they More rearranging that. that one.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it was postponed rather than cancelled.
3: Yeah, I mean they've already beaten Georgia, Texas A and M. Like they've got some big wins already. I think uh, that that will yeah. be. Those are two bigger wins than what Auburn and uh, LSU mm. will present them.
2: Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Alabama number one. Um, okay. Let me let me trust. Let me trust. In, in Notre Dame, Notre Dame two. Um, then uh Ohio state, I think three, I think the top three stay the same. I think it's yes, that fourth place. Uh, obviously Clemson, Texas A&M are looking all right. Florida, I'm, I'm going to put Florida in there. I'm going to stick with my, 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 my Florida love this year. And I'm going to say Florida hit the,
1: make the four. Mm. Andy, what about you? What, what, I mean, I, I guess we're all going to agree that the three top teams are kind of set in stone.
0: Yes, I'm going to agree. I'm going to put uh, Texas A&M in as four with uh, LSU, Auburn and Tennessee left to play. I think those are all winnable games, but they all kind of look impressive enough if we win them all to slide them into that fourth spot.
1: Mm. And Liam, what about yourself? Are you going to put put one of the little teams in there?
3: We've still got an ACC Championship game coming up as well. Are Clemson going to get their rematch against? Yeah,
1: they will. Should do. Should
3: do and in that case, uh, it's Alabama one, Ohio State two, Florida three, and Clemson four. Unfortunately for I Rob,
2: yeah, no, I, 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 you're right. Actually, thinking about it, there is a rematch, and like I said, if if ND lose, then that's you know the the game that we beat Clemson is always going to be unfavoured because of there wasn't no Trevor Lawrence. So actually, it makes a lot of sense. And I absolutely hate that the that the championship game is included in the in the whole conference, the the whole run for the playoffs. Stupid, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, me too. That's, yeah, we've had um, it in the
1: past, haven't we? Where there's been a uh, playoff. That was right champions of the conference that have then
3: been... I think what it will, what it should be is an unbeaten Cincinnati getting that full spot. Mm. And I think they will because I don't think Northwestern win the Big Ten. Mm. So they're going to go down. I think that Bama and Ohio State stay unbeaten. I think Florida, Florida being a two-loss team, though, because they will be a two-loss team by then, that's tough to then put them at, at number three. And I would, I'm going to stick with them in the top four.
2: So let's, let's say that, let's say the scenario, uh, the ACC championship game, Notre Dame lose to Clemson, Clemson in. Is there a possibility that it could be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame get in the fourth spot? Would they be able, would they still be ahead of Florida, Texas, and M. Cincinnati?
3: I'd have them ahead of Cincinnati probably because I think Cincinnati get, you know, they're going to get disrespected, aren't they, either way, mm-hmm. even though it's probably not the right thing
0: is there like a team like um, Oregon or uh, USC like, make a drive if they go unbeaten what do you think there?
3: yeah I'm... I think they could But um, like one of the times we did this before and Lee you said can a 7-0 and Pac-12 team get in and I said yes and I said yes because it's all based on the um, how strong they look how their wins are yeah which actually oregon aren't usc are winning games in more stronger fashion than oregon are at the moment so i'd say usc have probably got the best chance to do that right now
2: i think if, if uh if a pac-12 team runs the table then that will get in over a one-loss note Dame. um mm, i'm
1: not sure about that not with a clemson gonna have win do on, it, the, on the they're gonna the, have maybe. to do it in
3: they're going to have to like it's the re- it comes back to why BYU and Cincinnati keep putting up points. The mm. Pac twelve champ at seven and zero are going to have to win big. They can't just keep winning mm. twenty six twenty thirty twenty seven. They're going to have to they're going to have to show it goes back to strength of wins and strength of schedule again.
1: Mm. I yeah I, I I still don't think a unbeaten Pac twelve team can get in. I think the the teams that are going to be just ahead of them in the queue are going to have Some big wins on their belt, under their belt, sorry, in terms of the teams that they've beaten. So, for instance, like a Notre Dame going to have beaten Clemson, you know, Alabama kind of in already. Ohio State are going to run the Big Ten, which obviously is always seen as a better conference, you know, if they're going to go and beaten in in that one. And then if you're looking at, you know, in terms of the third team, maybe a Notre Dame team that's lost to Clemson instead, or, you know, Cincinnati that's playing in the American, the, the, they're probably going to have you know the more games anyway with Cincinnati. They're probably going to have more sort of credits in the bank. I would say in terms of a, a Pac-12 team, especially like you say, the it's a conference that eats itself alive on a yearly basis anyway. So the fact that Oregon or USC is the two top teams in the north and the south, both going unbeaten, well, obviously one of them is going to lose because they're going to lose the championship game. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem. One, it's hard to run the table in the Pac-12 as it is, and yeah. secondly, obviously. You're going to be have close games. It's not going to be kind of putting up 40-point wins or other similar sort of things that we're kind of looking for, for from BYU or Cincinnati. I don't think it's going to happen. So then, Lee, are you then on the side that
2: it could be two ACC teams in the top four? I
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I would have said, obviously, Florida, but they lost two games already. and mm. Sorry, they will have lost two games already by the time we get there because they're not going to win the SEC Championship against Alabama. So, yeah, oh, it could be. are they? No, I think I think so. I've no. said it all along that they'll they'll <laughs> win it all. But yeah, so yeah. I think that's what we're kind of heading towards here, like a bit of a discussion is um, yeah, potentially a, a, an ACC double really in terms of the spots that they get.
3: In terms of the Pac-12, if BYU do arrange again with a Pac-12 team. Beat the Pac-12 team and go unbeaten. That devalues the Pac-12 even further and helps BYU definitely. out. Yeah, definitely.
1: Even
3: mm. if it, even if they arrange it against, uh, I don't know, for example, a, a Utah or someone. It'd be Utah, uh, wouldn't it?
1: Or Arizona State because they've missed Yeah, the Utah, game.
3: Or Arizona State, and even then, if it's USC or Oregon that goes unbeaten, because it's devalued the whole conference, it it helps BYU more than an unbeaten USC. Mm. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. So yeah, no, I think for for me, yeah, we're looking at maybe a. Notre Dame Clemson, uh, three and four in some order because our house that'll probably be two by then if they've both lost with uh, with an Alabama unbeaten SEC championship winning team number one.
3: If Notre Dame beat Clemson again, that seals the top two place for them. oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. if not, they can't, one. you can't argue against even an unbeaten Ohio State going above them, then mm. maybe an Alabama if they went out, but Notre Dame will be a top two team there if they went out.
0: Come on, you Irish. <laughs> <laughs> but when Kenny Pickett beats Clemson next week and then <laughs> and then Miami have got a better record than Clemson.
1: <laughs> Are we trying to backdoor Miami into it here?
0: No, <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't really want to. It but it's a, it's a really weird one for me as a football fan because I'm obviously a Dolphins fan, but I'm not allowed to like the Canes, even though I've got a secret soft spot. But there you go. Yeah, can't see it happening, though, can you, really? It's, uh, it'd be a bit of a miracle. And... Mm-hmm. Clemson's final game against Virginia Tech and then a rescheduled Florida State is um basically yeah. just a cakewalk, isn't it? That's not a lie.
2: Yeah. I'm not I'm not against your AM pick by the way. Yeah, I think that I've, just makes a lot of sense. I've been you know I said before the season started if you put your memory back that far I said that A&M's going to be good this year cuz had a, uh, you know I, I, I yeah, I, I like the AM. I like the run game. We've discussed this before, haven't we? Um, Isaiah Spiller and that Mm. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, it's not a bad shot
3: uh, they, They've done well They beat Florida And and uh, their only loss is um, Bama So if Florida slip up Then that's yep. massive for A&M yep. um, does, does Dabo know That he's got to play Kenny Pickett next week? <laughs>
0: well, it depends <laughs> if he pulls out of that one Well he. I was going <laughs> to say He
3: might have to take <laughs> a leaf out of FSU's book <laughs>
1: <laughs> Running scared from Kenny Pickett Yeah we should I think we'll, we'll end the programme there, actually, yeah, for, that, for that chat. But, yeah, no, it's good, good <laughs> conversations to be had by by everyone. And, obviously, it's going to be something that we can see shake out from Wednesday onwards this week. Uh, well, from Tuesday onwards, sorry. Obviously, Wednesday from when this podcast will come out. Um, but, yeah, no, interesting debate to be had. And I'm sure we'll kind of revisit this as the as the season goes on and comes to its conclusion. So, obviously, we lost Kieran. So, he's not, not, you know, he's not gone anywhere. He's just gone off to do the NFL pod. Um, so we'll just give out some handles and and maybe talk about some little bits and pieces that we've got going on go on Rob sorry you want to come in sorry
2: yeah just before we end the show I just um, wanted to just say that the uh, bedlam happened obviously this weekend as well we didn't talk about bedlam did we no we didn't um, no. but it's probably because it was over before it really began um 21-7 after the first quarter uh and I, oklahoma ran away with it and absolutely uh again to coin that my favorite phrase molly whopped uh oklahoma <laughs> state which was a turn up for the books really i thought it was gonna be a bit tighter than that but uh spencer sanders got injured i believe early doors and and oklahoma ran
1: away with it yeah, no, good shout. Yeah, good to kind of mention that one. But um, yeah, it wasn't as close as we thought because obviously the Cowboys going in sort of higher ranks. Although Oklahoma usually the better program, but mm-hmm. um, didn't get the result that that we maybe thought
3: would happen.
2: Yep, no, I just thought it was worth mentioning because obviously a big rivalry and uh, a big game that we didn't didn't talk about. So I just uh, added it on the end there.
3: Uh, yeah, perfect to squeeze it in there. Now once forgot about the Big Twelve this season, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about it too much, do we?
3: No. Uh, They've, you know, they've become the Pac-12 a little bit, and that they're just eating themselves (laughs) this season, all beating each other. And in terms of all the the discussions we've had, it's Mm. no one's going to have them in with uh, a shout of college football playoff uh, conversation right now, because uh, yeah, like I say, they're all beating each other.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's right, and um, yeah, not sometimes not the most exciting conference as well because it's kind of all that offense and yeah it doesn't really excite me anyway but um that's just me so yeah um obviously we've got a little um kind of announcement that we made kind of last last week really but we'll kind of tease that Anything's so we starting this um next month uh, sorry next week um we're going to start a kind of spin-off podcast to the full-time college we're all going to be getting together all the same crew uh, the five of us are going to get getting together uh for a thursday podcast release that'll be just about scouting in the college uh, sorry the nfl draft um, so we're going to be talking more about players, focusing more on players and our rankings, and kind of scouting, telling you about the players, their traits, where we think they'll go, and kind of building towards the drafting. It's like on a kind of separate arena, really, rather than just talking about it on this podcast, which is kind of an exciting thing to to do. Um, kind of adds another string to our bow as well as a group. So yeah, really looking to that. So that'll be coming out um, from next Thursday. So that'll be the third of december and we're going to be recording that earlier on in the week and you'll get your usual college football podcast on the wednesday as always and then that'll be followed by the following day with the draft and scouting podcast from us so yeah we're quite excited about that one it's going to be quite a big project for us all but um yeah like i say another string on the bow so yeah we're looking forward to that rob i know you you're working on something do you want to kind of tease a little bit of that as well what you're kind of working on in the background um what the the,
2: the running back stuff Yes. Yeah, it's, it sort of goes hand in hand what you just said, really, about the scouting. Um, it, I've I've sort of taken it upon myself to do a bit dive, a deep diving on the on the running backs that are potentially coming out this year. Um so so yeah i wanted a big project for myself over the over the winter months uh, and and that's what i'm doing so i'm drafting together some some good stuff uh some good cards sort of things to to mm. go somewhere wherever we decide to put them um but yeah just it, it's just something i wanted to do because last last winter i kind of did lots of fancy football stuff and it was good but i'm just thoroughly enjoyed this college year this is the most i've been in, sort of ingrained in the college football i just wanted to carry it on so rather than do fantasy stuff this this winter i'm going to do college stuff uh and running backs is one thing obviously kind of goes hand in hand with fantasy football anyway because it's the next sort of cream of the crop coming through mm. and with 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 uh dynasty drafts um sort of happening after the a real draft happens anyway. Um so it's it's always good to get ahead of the curve. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. So um got about 25 running backs that I'm going deep with uh to start with. And if I start getting on top of them in January, I'll start doing some wide receivers as well. But it's it's really fun at the moment, really enjoying it. Um doing some some design work which I love doing and and some and some research. And obviously when the season finishes it'll be watching loads of tape and getting other people's takes on them as well. So thoroughly enjoying it and um yeah that's gonna be good. I'm gonna go real deep with this one.
1: Mm, yeah it kind of goes hand in hand with our first episode as well because we're going to be focused on the running backs Mm. um at the top of the class as well next week so yeah keep your eyes peeled for all that stuff coming out from us just want to kind of point you towards our mine and andy's article that came out winners and losers usual uh place uh kind of a big 10 theme running through this one this week but yeah go over to falternais.com and have a little look at that one um but yeah, I think that's about it, isn't it, boys? Let's let's get out of it. Let's give out some handles and uh, let's get off. Um, if you want to find me, Wakefield90 on the Twitter. Um, yeah, anything you want to talk about, really, college football wise, and uh, yeah, come and have a chat. Andy, what about yourself?
0: AJ Moore 21 or Dolphin underscore UK pod. Um, Not related to Rondale Moore, despite a discussion in the group (laughs) chat this week. (laughs) Um, But yeah, checks out there. Obviously a lot of Dolphin stuff and uh, a lot of uh, O-line stuff, which I seem to be uh, enjoying at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Liam, what about yourself?
3: Uh, I'm not related to Rondell Moore either, as good as it, <laughs> it was to, to see him back this week. It was nice, wasn't it, seeing him back mm. on the field. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you can find me uh, on the Twitter at uh, Liam66NFL. Anything NFL, anything college football, um, anything NFL draft and scouting. There's loads of threads, et cetera, on there. Um, yeah, well worth it.
1: <laughs> mm. Not related to Rondell Moore, but maybe Demarcus Lodge instead.
3: Cousin Demarcus, yeah, I was rooting for him (laughs) last yeah, it was I was so proud of him.
1: (laughs) And Rob, what about yourself? Where can we find all your running back stuff when it when it finally hits the the internet? Uh, well, yeah, we, undecided where that's going to hit just yet, but
2: um, you can find my other stuff at, at the, with the fantasy team. Um, I'm literally jumping on a podcast as soon as this one ends. Uh, for the record, I'm not related to Rundown more either, uh, but you can find me on Twitter at FFBritBaller. Uh, and then, like I said, a bit of a plug for the fantasy guys because we uh, do some good work over there as well. Uh, David Davenport and, and uh, James uh, Hype Train, Fotheringham. Um, so, yeah, go check them out, F10Y Fantasy. Uh, yeah, that's their handle. Um, and, yeah, me, FFBritBaller.
1: Excellent. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. That's where you can all find us. Um, Go over to fulltenyards.com. As Rob said, there's plenty of other stuff going on there. Uh, Lots of other branches doing a lot of good work. um, All sorts of branches of football. So yeah, get your fill, fill your boots. But that's all for us this week. Um, So yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, fulltenyards.com, or follow us on Twitter, at full 10 yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.